What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So today I'm going to break down the MLB draft with a recap of the top 15 picks, give some of my surprises and steals of day one, along with my winners and losers, and then I'll also break down my best steals of the draft overall. So to start things off, one thing about the MLB draft is that sometimes teams overdraft a player in order to potentially offer them less money to save bonus pool money, which is how much money you have to sign every draft pick total. Uh, they do that in order to save money for later draft picks that they have to overpay for to keep and sign them. So keep in mind with a lot of these draft picks, sometimes teams will draft a guy just because they know, okay, we're overdrafting this guy so we can underpay him for the slot value. But if let's say in the second round you're drafting a guy that could have been a top 10 pick, obviously you're underdrafting him, so you have to overpay him for how much of a money over his recommended slot value amount. So... If you look at it, there used to be 40 rounds. It got cut down to 5 in 2020, and then there were only 20 in 2021 and 2022. So just 20 rounds now. And teams have to take all their money total together and split it up between draft picks, how much money they give to each one. And that plays a big role into where a team drafts a certain player. So as I said, they have bonus pool money that they can use to pay a guy. They sometimes have to overpay for a guy that, they, that was underdrafted. So like I said, if a guy was supposed to be a top 20 pick and he goes 55th, or 60th or 70th overall, you're going to have to overpay him than what his recommended slot value is. But different is if, let's say, you have the 10th pick and you're taking a guy 10th overall that should have went maybe 45th, 50th, then you just overdrafted that guy and you can underpay him for the slot value in order to save money for your other draft picks. So that's just a breakdown of how the MLB draft works and how contracts work. So in day one... As I said, there are 40 rounds. It used to be 40 rounds. Now there are only 20 rounds in the MLB draft. But in day one, there's the first round, the compensation picks, round one. And then there is a competitive balance, round A, after that. So when I say compensation picks, round one, that is in reference to smaller teams that lost a big-time free agent. So like the Rockies lost Trevor Story to the Red Sox this past year. They get an extra pick, a compensation pick, that is, in the first part of the compensation picks. So they call it batch one for losing Trevor Story. Then there's a competitive balance round A, which is where smaller market teams get an extra pick to even the talent with the bigger market teams that have bigger payrolls. So that's competitive balance round A, just to keep the talent even. And then there's the second round. And then just after the second round is the competitive balance round B. So like I said before, smaller market teams get an extra pick to even the talent to compete with the bigger market teams with bigger payrolls. And then after that, there's a compensation picks batch two. So the second round of compensation picks, which is for bigger market teams that lost a qualifying free agent. So like the Red Sox losing Eduardo Rodriguez, they get a pick in that second part of the compensation picks after round two. So now who can be drafted? High school seniors, college juniors, college seniors, and then also college sophomores who are 21 or turn 21 within 45 days after the MLB draft. So I was just talking about contracts are done, but there's the bonus pool system, which is used as a way to limit how much money a team can spend in the draft. The Orioles this year, since they had the first pick, had the second largest draft pool, bonus draft pool, in the MLB draft history, which was $16,924,000. If you go over it, which you can go over it, you're taxed kind of like a luxury tax. So if you were to go over the recommended bonus pool amount that you're given, then you end up paying a luxury tax. So the bonus pool is a huge reason teams draft certain guys where they draft them. Sometimes teams can overdraft a player at a, at a certain 
pick. So you could draft a player at an over-slot pick, they call it, in order to sign them for less money than the slot value, and you could save money for the rest of your draft picks, like I was just saying at the beginning of this episode. You can also underdraft a player and give them more money than their slot value in order to lure them to sign your, the contract. So like I said, that's like when you have a guy that's supposed to be the 15th overall prospect and you take him in the fifth round. So in that case, that player would be well underdrafted than what their original draft position should have been. So if you take them in the fifth round, they could have went in the first round. You have to overpay them in order to sign them. You have to overpay them than what their slot value is in the fifth round. You have to pay them whatever money their first or second round money would have been had they been drafted that high. So that does happen in the MLB draft. Sometimes that's a reason a team would draft a certain guy with their first round pick rather than their second round pick in order to save money and pay them less money in the first round than they would have in the second round. Because the second round they'd have to you know give them the amount of money second round pick's worth. But in the first round, a kid that's supposed to be drafted in the third round that they take in the first, which can happen, they would be well underpaid than what their slot value is typically. So now I'm going to transition to the MLB draft, the first round, to talk about what happened in this year's draft. So according to ESPN, this was the first MLB draft ever that four sons of former Major League Baseball players were drafted in the first round. To start off, Jackson Holiday, he was drafted with the first ever pick by the Baltimore Orioles. His dad is Matt Holiday, former St. Louis Cardinal and Colorado Rockies great. Then Drew Jones, his dad is Andrew Jones, former Atlanta Braves and New York Yankees great. Then Justin Crawford. His dad is Kyle Crawford, former Tampa Bay Devil Ray and Red Sox outfielder. And then Cam Collier, he was drafted. His dad is Lou Collier. So one guy I want to highlight is Justin Crawford, son of four-time All-Star Kyle Crawford. He was taken 17th overall by the Philadelphia Phillies out of Bishop Gorman High School in Nevada. In 42 games this year as a senior, he hit 503 with 60 runs scored, 52 RBIs, 17 doubles, 8 triples, 5 home runs, a 562 on base percentage, an 816 slugging percentage and a 1379 OPS. Also stole 20 bases and had a 97.8% fielding percentage. Very good prospect picked up by the Philadelphia Phillies. Wanted to highlight him since I probably won't be talking about him in my top 15 mock since he was taken 17th overall. So also this was actually the first MLB draft since 1971 where a college player was not taken in the top five picks. There was the third overall selection was Kumar Rocker who did play at Vanderbilt College but was just coming out of the independent league. This past year, so he's not considered technically a college player since he played in the Independent League this past season. So to start off, the first overall pick was the Baltimore Orioles. They took Jackson Holiday, a shortstop out of Stillwater High School in Oklahoma, six foot one, one hundred seventy-five pound, eighteen-year-old shortstop. I pointed out in my episode before the first round that he was the son of former MLB star Matt Holiday. I also talked about it just a few minutes ago now, and just forty games this year in high school. He had 685 for a batting average with 17 home runs, 79 runs batted in, 30 stolen bases, and that's just a senior of high school. He really tore it up all of his years in high school. But this past year, 685 batting average, as I said, a 752 on base percentage, which is ridiculous, a 1392 slugging percentage, which is wild, and a 2141 OPS. Absolutely ridiculous, and he only struck out seven times this past year. Absolute stunning will be an immediate top 100 prospect on MLB.com. He's got such a pure swing, natural power at speed along the bases too, as you can see with the 30 stone bases, the 17 home runs, the 2141 uh, OPS. You can just tell he's an offensive juggernaut. This is the third time in Orioles history that they had the first overall pick. They may get smacked for this pick for not taking Drew Jones, but if I were to be the general manager, and I know it does come down to the general manager's discretion, and Mike Elias, the Baltimore Orioles general manager, saw Holiday as the better player, and I would have done the same thing. I would have taken Holiday at 1 and Jones at 2, although it is very close. 
when I saw the 685 batting average with 17 home runs and his OPS and his ability to steal bases, 30 for 30 stolen bases uh, in stolen base attempts in 40 games, which is nuts. I knew he had to go first solely based off his stats, and I thought he was better than Drew Jones, but by a slight small margin. I think they're both very good players, and either way, I don't think you can go wrong with the first overall pick. So next with the second overall pick was the Arizona Diamondbacks. They took Drew Jones, Wesleyan School in Georgia, six foot four, one hundred and eighty pound, eighteen year old outfielder. Went to the Wesleyan School in Georgia, as I said. Son of former MLB great Andrew Jones. Drew was the number one overall prospect in the twenty twenty two MLB draft on MLB.com. Hit five seventy this past year with a six seventy five on base percentage, a one oh two six slugging percentage, and a one seven oh two OPS as a senior. He also hit thirteen home runs. He's a great fielder and also became the second high school in a row to be drafted with Holiday going first. So top two picks are both high school picks. He ended up signing a deal with Arizona for $8,185,100, which is actually the highest slot value at that second overall pick for a high school player. Uh, last was Bobby Witt Jr., who got $7.7 million, and that was according to John Heyman. Now, for a high school prospect that's drafted second overall, Drew Jones just broke that record that was set by Bobby Witt Jr. at $7.7 million. Andrew Jones is his son. Drew Jones gets $8,185,000. So next, with the third overall pick, was the Texas Rangers. They took Kumar Rocker, 6'5", 245-pound right-handed pitcher, 22-year-old, who played for Vanderbilt College, just pitched this last season in the Independent League. In his junior season in 2021 at Vanderbilt, in 122 innings pitched, allowed 37 earned runs, 179 strikeouts to 39 walks, had a 14-4 record, on the mound of the 273 ERA. He played this past year for the Tri City Valley Cats in the Independent League, uh, which is the Frontier League. In five starts, he was 1 0 with the 135 ERA. In 20 innings pitched, he allowed three earned runs, walked four batters to 32 strikeouts. Very impressive. Allowed 11 hits in those 20 innings pitched, had a .75 whip, and had a 14.4 strikeout per nine inning rate and eight strikeouts per walk. So it showed a ton of control and a ton of accuracy. His fastball is around 98 miles an hour, has elite movement in all of his pitches. He now joins Jack Leiter as the future aces of the Texas Rangers. Leiter will probably be an MLB player, I'd imagine, in 2023. Rock is probably a couple years away. But as I said, Rock will be joining his former college teammate at Vanderbilt, who was actually selected second overall last year by the Texas Rangers in 2021. Jack Leiter went second overall. Kumar Rocco went 10th overall in the 2021 MLB draft, was drafted by the New York Mets, ended up not signing because they weren't uh, in agreement with him on his medical records. Now they will be teammates again, Rocker and Leiter, and we're both top five picks of the Texas Rangers at second overall and third overall, so top three picks, actually. Uh, Rocker signed with Texas for $5.2 million as a signing bonus, which is $2.5 million less than the slot value of that pick. So the Texas Rangers could have maybe wanted to have saved money, save some money for their next draft picks. So they overdraft a guy like Kumar Rocker at three, since he probably could have gone 15 or 20, maybe. I think I had him going somewhere in that range in my mock. You overdraft him with a third overall pick and can underpay him to save some money for guys you're going to draft later on. So the fourth overall pick, the Pittsburgh Pirates took Tamar Johnson, a shortstop from Mays High School in Atlanta, Georgia. 5'10", 175-pound, 18-year-old shortstop. As a high school junior 2021, he had 419 games had eight home runs, 17 runs batted in, 28 runs scored, and nine stolen bases. He regard, he's regarded as arguably the best pure hitter in this draft class. Elite bat speed, great average hitter as well, uh, but not the best power swing. He's a lefty, but has a great hit tool, so hit for average. As I said, 70 out of 80 hit tool, which was the number one in the class. 
Could have went first overall, but was landed at fourth. Kind of like Marcelo Meyer, who was last year's the Red Sox first round draft pick. Went fourth overall to the Red Sox. Could have been number one. He was the number one prospect in the draft by some. Similar to Tamar Johnson, he could have gone first overall. There was some buzz about him going number one to the Orioles. He ends up falling to fourth like Marcelo Meyer did last year. So going to the Pirates now for Tamar Johnson, he will be joining their prospects they already have in the top uh, 50. They have five top 43 prospects in the MLB right now uh, in their farm system, including 2021 number one overall pick. Henry Ford out of Louisville was a catcher last year, drafted number one overall. And they also have in that top 43 prospects, they have five. Another one is Pirates MLB star right now. O'Neill Cruz has been tearing it up in the major league system now for the past few weeks. So, as I said, Tamar Johnson could have went first overall. Now ends up falling to fourth. Great steal there for that Pittsburgh Pirates team. And he'll now join the other five prospects they have in the top 100. They have five in the top 43. He'll be joining that list. So, future's looking bright in Pittsburgh. So next up, the Washington Nationals with the fifth overall selection took Elijah Green, a six foot three, two hundred twenty five pound outfield, eighteen year old from IMG Academy in Florida. This past year, in twenty five games at IMG, he had four sixty two for batting average with thirty two runs batted in, eleven doubles, two triples, nine home runs, and had fifteen stolen bases in fifteen attempts. Has elite speed, unreal power, and a great arm as well. He was the third overall prospect on MLB.com, so getting at five is kind of a stealing away. Uh, the Nats only have two top 100 prospects, so he will likely become their top overall prospect and give them their third top 100 prospect in the Major League farm system. So now with the sixth overall pick, the Miami Marlins took Jacob Berry, a third baseman slash outfielder, six foot, 212 pound, third baseman slash outfielder from LSU, 21 years old, 15 home runs, 48 RBIs, 370 batting average with a 464 on base percentage. And a 109.4 OPS this past year as a sophomore at LSU. Also scored 47 runs. So in 53 games, there's a ton of production. He's a switch hitter, so he adds some versatility and some value. Uh, he can hit for power, can hit for average. Had a 65 out of 80 power tool and a 60 out of 80 hit tool. I saw on MLB.com a few days ago that he actually led the Pac-12 in RBIs as a freshman before he transferred to LSU from Arizona. So at Arizona as a freshman in 2021. He had 17 home runs at 70 RBIs, a 439 on base percentage, a 1115 OPS in 63 games as a freshman. He led the Pac-12 in total bases that year with 167 and also led them in RBIs with 70 and also in extra base hits with 41. So he led the conference in total bases, RBIs, extra base hits, and then transferred to LSU, put up great numbers there as well. So now looking at the Marlins' farm system, they do not have an outfield prospect in the MLB Top 100 Prospects. But I'm sure Barry will fix that and become their first one. So with the seventh overall selection, the Chicago Cubs are up, and they took Cade Horton, a six foot one, 211-pound right-handed pitcher, 20 years old out of Oklahoma. He finished the year at Oklahoma with a five and two record this past year, with a 4.86 ERA and 53 and two-thirds innings pitched, along with 29 earned runs, striking out 64 batters while walking 15, had a 4.27 strikeout to walk ratio and 10.7 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. But what really got scouts' attention. Uh, was his performance in the NCAA tournament and in the College World Series. He allowed two runs or less in all of his last five starts at Oklahoma and pitched against some great lineups over that stretch. He went at least five innings in all of those five games. He pitched against Texas, Florida, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, five great lineups. Against Ole Miss in the College World Series finals, he went seven and two-thirds innings on the mound with 13 strikeouts and two earned runs. Very impressive game. He has a cannon that can get up to 98, so we showcased that in that game as well. The Cubs do not have a pitching prospect in their top 100 of the MLB 
top 100 prospects. So Horton will end up being their first. Horton also hit at Oklahoma, had one home run, 17 runs batted in, and a two thirty five batting average with eight stolen bases and nine attempts this past year. With the eighth overall selection, the Minnesota Twins took Brooks Lee, a shortstop out of Cal Poly, six foot two, two hundred and five pound, twenty one year old shortstop, fifth overall MLB.com prospect. They took him at eighth overall. One of my favorite prospects in the draft, absolute stud, was regarded as the best college hitter in the entire draft. So he ends up going eighth overall to the Minnesota Twins in his junior season of 2022 for the Cal Poly Mustangs. He had 15 home runs and 55 runs batted in, a 3.57 batting average, and a 1.125 OPS at 58 games. He also had 25 doubles, which was fifth in all Division One baseball in the entire nation. He had an unreal summer in the Cape Cod Baseball League last summer of 2021 for the Yamaha Dennis Red Sox. He hit 405 with a 432 on base percentage and a 1.099 OPS. Hit six home runs and also had 13 runs batted in in 21 games for the Yamaha Dennis Red Sox. One thing that he has to try to improve upon, though, is his speed. May have to move to second or third base since he might not have enough range to play shortstop in the minor league system. Minnesota has only one prospect in the top 100 of the MLB top 100 prospects. Uh, that's former 2017 first overall pick in the MLB draft, Royce Lewis, who actually just had his second ACL reconstruction procedure over the last two years. Has not had any luck health-wise, but Lee will be joining Lewis as a top 100 MLB prospect and likely the Twins' second best prospect. So uh, quite a draft pick there for them. As I said, one of my favorite prospects in the draft. The Kansas City Royals with the ninth overall selection took Gavin Cross, a six foot three, 210-pound outfield out of Virginia Tech, who was 21 years old. This past year at Virginia Tech was his junior season, and he was elite yet again. Had 17 dingers to go along with 50 RBIs and 12 stolen bases with a 328 batting average, a 1071 OPS, and a 411 on-base percentage of 57 games. Also added eight triples, which was second in the nation. So he brings great speed to the table and great power as well. He's actually the first Virginia Tech player drafted in the first round since 2002. I saw that in a CBS Sports article. The Royals only have two prospects in the top 100 of the MLB top 100 prospects right now. Bobby Wood Jr. is no longer considered a prospect on that list. Uh, but they have two in the top 100, and both of them right now are first basemen. So Cross will become likely their best outfielder prospect. Um, he's the 10th overall prospect in the MLB draft on MLB Network. They end up swiping him at 9th, and he was one of the best college hitters in the draft. It could be a future star in the major league. So great draft pick there for the Kansas City Royals. With the 10th overall selection, the Colorado Rockies took Gabriel Hughes, a 6'4", 220-pound, 20-year-old right-handed pitcher from Gonzaga. He has a very good fastball that stays in between the range of 94 to 97, also adds a good changeup and great depth on his slider as well. He likes going to the slider when he's up in the count and has great depth, as I said, so it's a good way to get hitters swinging and missing with two strikes. He was 8-3 in three and 15 appearances this past year as a junior at Gonzaga with a 3.67 ERA and 98 innings pitched, allowed 35 earned runs, had 138 strikeouts to 37 walks, so more than 100 more strikeouts than he had walks, a 1.153 whip, and also 138 strikeouts this past year, which was actually ninth in the nation. He did 3.73 strike-to-walk ratio and 12.7 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. And three years at Gonzaga, totaled in 30 appearances, a 3.05 ERA with 218 strikeouts to 73 walks and 171 innings pitched. He was a 26th overall prospect by MLB.com. Probably an underslot signing here by the Rockies, I'd imagine, since, as I said, 26th overall selection ended up going 10th. He now joins the Colorado Rockies, who have four prospects in the top 100 prospects in the MLB farm system, uh, none of which are pitches, though, so that opens a floor for Hughes to be the highest-rated pitcher. 
With the 11th overall selection, the New York Mets took Kevin Parada, six foot one, 197-pound, 20-year-old catcher out of Georgia Tech, who played in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021 for the Chatham A's. He had 250 for them with three RBIs, a 344 on base percentage, and a 665 OPS in nine games. Some of the stats I repeat that I talked about in the first episode. He played just two seasons at Georgia Tech, but is coming off a great sophomore year, hitting 361 in 60 games with a 453 on base percentage and a 1162 OPS. Hit 26 home runs, which was actually tied the sixth in all Division I baseball, and was actually the most among all catches in the nation. Had 88 runs batted in, which was third most in all Division I baseball. 11 stolen bases in 12 attempts, 79 runs scored, which was fourth most in college baseball, and 183 total bases, which was good enough for sixth in all of college baseball. So now he joins the Mets farm system, who already has Francisco Alvarez, who is the Mets' number one overall prospect, number two overall on MLB.com, a catcher as well. I do love this pick by the Mets, though. I think they have a home run pick here with Parada at 11. The Detroit Tigers with the 12th selection took Jace Jung, a second baseman out of Texas Tech, 21 years old, six foot, 205 pounds, second baseman. His sophomore year at Texas Tech in 2021, he had 337 with 21 home runs, 67 runs batted in, 10 doubles, a triple, and a 1159 OPS. His junior year at Texas Tech in 2022, he had 335 with 14 home runs, 57 runs batted in, a 1093 OPS to go along with 68 runs scored. He had 59 walks to 42 strikeouts as a junior this past year, which is very impressive. Walked 17 more times than he struck out. As a career in three years at Texas Tech, he had 126 walks to 102 strikeouts. So 24 more walks than he had strikeouts in his whole career in three years. He had 328 with a 1116 OPS. So 1116 OPS, very impressive. And 39 home runs. He can hit for power, can hit for average, which is the reason he was such a highly touted prospect. Great power and great hit for average, as I said. 60 out of 80 for both hit tool and power tool. Detroit only has one infield prospect in the top five of their prospects. Uh, their only pure second-base prospect is their 22nd overall prospect. So maybe Jung climbs up to the majors in two or three seasons like Nick Madrigal did with the Chicago White Sox since they don't really have too many second-base prospects that are better than Jace Jung. With the 13th overall selection, the Los Angeles Angels took Zach Neto, a six foot 185-pound shortstop, 21 years old, out of Campbell University. He was a 17th overall prospect on MLB.com and one of my favorite plays in this draft. The LA Angels currently do not have a top 100 prospect, so hopefully Neto fixes that and becomes their first. He won the Cape League in 2021 with the Brewster Whitecaps. Hit three home runs with 10 RBIs, a 304 batting average, a 439 on base percentage with a 1026 OPS in 16 games. In 53 games this past year for Campbell, he had 407, which was sixth best in all of Division I baseball. Had a 1283 OPS. 15 home runs, 50 RBIs, a 514 on base percentage, which is fifth best in the nation. 16th most hits in Division I baseball with 81. 19 stolen bases in 20 attempts. Very aggressive base runner, not afraid to steal an extra base, whether it's hitting for a double rather than a single or stealing second base. Had 23 doubles, two triples, and a 7.6% strikeout rate, which is great. Had a 769 slugging percentage, which was good enough to be eighth in Division I baseball. And he brings a ton of talent with his bat and all of his abilities on the baseball field. He has all five tools, so he's not really weak in any area. So quite the draft pick there by the LA Angels at 13th. With the 14th selection, the New York Mets are up again. So they took Jet Williams, a five foot eight, 175-pound 18-year-old shortstop from Rockwall Heath High School in Texas. This season as a senior in high school, he had 347 with a 514 on base percentage and a 723 slugging percentage. Had five doubles, nine triples, so he has some speed. Five home runs, 37 RBIs, 40 runs scored, and 15 stolen bases. 
has such a great bat and is honestly skilled well above in all five of the tools that you need. His swing has quick speed and gets through the zone very fast. But one thing with him, though, he has had injury concerns with his shoulder, but still a great pickup by the Mets at 14. As I said, the 11th overall pick took Kevin Parada. That was their selection for missing uh, a contract last year with Kumar Rocker. Then they had the 14th overall pick and took Jet Williams. So a hot start for the New York Mets. With the 15th overall selection, the San Diego Padres took Dylan Lesko, a 6'2", 195-pound, 18-year-old right-handed pitcher from Buford High in Georgia. He was the 14th overall prospect on MLB.com in the draft. He won the Gatorade National Player of the Year in 2021. Was actually the first junior to ever do that. He's committed to play at Vanderbilt and actually just got Tommy John surgery in April of his senior year a few months ago. Fastball tops out at 97, typically sits between 93 and 95. Has an elite changeup, which actually got a 70 out of 80 changeup tool grade, which is impressive. As a junior in high school last year, so not this past year, last year in 2021, he went 11-0 on the mound to the .35 ERA with 112 strikeouts and 60 innings, holding opposing batters to a 126 batting average and had a .68 whip. Also hit very well in high school with a .417 batting average with 25 RBIs and an OPS of 1054. So now I'm going to transition to my surprises of day one. So with the third overall pick, Kumar Rocker going third to the Texas Rangers was a surprise to me. He was the 38th overall prospect in the draft by MLB.com. He was a surprise pick at three to me since he hasn't pitched in college for over a year now after taking a year off after being drafted 10th overall by the New York Mets in the 2021 draft. Didn't sign, didn't go back to college, took a year off and played in the independent league. Him going third overall, a little bit of a surprise. He does have medical medical concerns as well, uh, but I guess not enough for the Rangers to not take him at three. Trust me, I think he's a great pitcher, but it's crazy to me how he can go from the 10th pick last year and jump to the third pick this year. And three is at Vanderbilt. Had unreal stats, though. 28-10 record in 42 games. 76 earned runs and 169 hits allowed in 236.2 innings pitched. 321 strikeouts to 68 walks. Had a 4.72 strike strikeout-to-walk ratio and 12.2 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. Then in 2020, had a 16.8 strikeout per nine inning rate, 3.5 strikeouts for every walk, and a 1.8 ERA and three starts before the 2020 shutdown. So as you can see, he was dominant all three years of college. But the one concern I have with him is that he was supposed to be probably a later first-round pick in this draft, not only because of the medical concerns, but then also he hasn't pitched in college in over a year. I know the independent league is very competitive too, but... I thought maybe it'd go 15-20, but just a surprise going at number three. And then Chase DeLotta of the Cleveland Guardians at 16th overall. Outfielder from James Madison. Played in the CAA, actually, versus Northeastern. He's a big kid, 6'4", 235-pound prospect. Has shown flashes of great power over his career, but the reason why I'm surprised with him going 16th overall is because he did break his foot in the 2022 season in April, so only a few months ago now. He only played 24 games for the Dukes this year, and in those 24 games as a junior, Hit 437 with a 576 on base percentage, an 828 slugging percentage, and a 1404 OPS. Eight home runs, 35 RBIs, 21 strikeouts, 28 walks. So he walked seven more times than he struck out. 31 runs scored, 10 doubles, a triple, and 10 stolen bases in 11 attempts. He actually played for the Orleans Firebirds in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021. In 34 games for the Orleans Firebirds, hit 298 with a 397 on base percentage, a 598 slugging percentage, and a 986 OPS to go along with 18 strikeouts with 21 walks. We walked three more times than he struck out. Nine home runs, 21 RBIs, seven doubles, a triple, and five stone bases. And even though he's a great player and a great prospect, I just thought going 16th after breaking his foot, I thought he'd maybe fall maybe to 20-25. But such a great player, so 16th overall, not much difference in where I thought he could have been drafted. 
Then Cam Collier falling to 18th overall by the Cincinnati Reds. Only 17 years old, won't turn 18 until November, actually. The number eight overall prospect by MLB.com. Hit 333 with a 419 on base percentage and 956 OPS. Eight home runs, 47 RBIs, and 12 doubles in 52 games this past year for Chipotle Junior College in Florida. Has a quick and strong swing, good speed, and great arm strength as well. Actually, a 70 out of 80 arm strength uh, tool uh, from third base. Could have been a top five pick. Ended up going 18th, which is a steal. He actually graduated early from high school as a junior with a GED, then went to a JUCO in Florida, which was Chipola Junior College, and was drafted despite only being technically a high school junior when he left high school and then went to play one year as a JUCO player at Chipola. So very impressive for him to jump from high school to junior college and then to the MLB draft all within a year. So my steals of day one, starting off to my Johnson at fourth overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates. As I said, was regarded as one of the best pure hitters in this draft, regardless of age or class. Could have went first overall. There was some buzz about him going number one. But as I said, a steal at number four is an unreal pick for that Pittsburgh Pirates team. He'll be a future star in the league. Very solid prospect in all five tools. Unreal hit for average. Has great power as well and probably translates to be a second baseman in the minor league system. Next is Dylan Lesko, 15th overall at San Diego Padres. Another steal, even though he does not have the best luck with injuries, did actually just get Tommy John surgery in April. He was dominant as a junior in high school in 2021. As I said, was actually the first junior to ever win the Gatorade National Player of the Year award. So him going at 15th, especially with all the upside he has, regardless of the injury concerns, such a steal at 15. 18th, Cam Collier to the Cincinnati Reds. The second youngest player in Cape Cod Baseball League history this year, actually at 17 years old. Saw that uh, from Mike Richard of MLB Network. He became the first junior college hitter to be drafted in the first round of the MLB draft since Tim Anderson in the 2013 draft. So very impressive for him. I think 18 is a, quite a steal, especially since he could have gone fifth. Next up was Cooper Jerpy, a 6'3", 200-pound junior left-handed pitcher from Oregon State. Was the number one start of Oregon State this past year on Friday nights. The 13th Oregon State first rounder, actually. Ever taken 22nd overall by the St. Louis Cardinals. Fastball gets up to 98, stays 92 to 93. Has a sweeping slider as well. One of the best college arms in the draft. Most strikeouts in the nation actually this past year. Was 11 and 2 for Oregon State this past season with a 2.53 ERA, 161 strikeouts, which as I said was most in Division One baseball, to 23 walks and 103 in a third innings pitched. Had a .871 WHIP and also 14 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. So. Him falling all the way to the 22nd overall pick of St. Louis Cardinals is quite the steal. And as I said, Festival gets 98, has a great slider, and also had a great year this past year at Oregon State, being their Friday night starter. Drew Gilbert, 5'9", 185-pound outfielder from Tennessee, was taken by the Houston Astros with the 28th overall pick in the first round. Had 11 home runs with 70 RBIs and a 362 batting average in 58 games in 2022 as a junior. With four stolen bases, a 455 on base percentage, a 1128 OPS, 33 walks to 32 strikeouts, so one more walk than he struck out, and also a total of 60 runs scored. In seven games this year in relief, he actually pitched as well. An eight and a third innings pitch allowed no runs, three hits, five walks to eight strikeouts, and a .96 whip. He has no plans, though, to do both pitching and hitting in the minor league system. He's going to stay with being a center fielder. Has good speed and great arm strength from center field. I think he's one of the better steals of the draft in the first day by the Houston Astros at 28th overall. Then Dylan Beavers went 33rd overall. He was a competitive balance pick to the Baltimore Orioles. 6'4", 206-pound, 20-year-old outfielder from California. 22 overall draft prospect by MLB.com. Uh, and a sophomore year at 2021, 
at California. He hit 303 with a 401 on base percentage, a 103-1 OPS, 18 home runs to 49 RBIs, and 10 stolen bases. He played a Katuit in the Cape Cod Baseball League uh, this past year and hit 233 with zero home runs, five RBIs, two doubles, and 586 OPS. He struggled in the Cape Cod Baseball League, which may have slightly hurt his draft stock. I mean, this was in 2021, though, and he recovered very well in 2022, so he recovered well. In 2022 at California, at 17 home runs with 50 RBIs, 62 runs scored, seven stolen bases and 11 attempts, a 291 batting average, and a 1060 OPS. Very good hitter. Lefty hitter has good power as well, so good draft pick there by the Baltimore at 33. Then Jordan Beck at 38th to the Colorado Rockies. The number 23 overall prospect in the draft by MLB.com. 6'3", 225-pound, 21-year-old outfielder from Tennessee. So another Tennessee outfielder. Hit 298 this past year as a junior at Tennessee with 18 home runs, 61 RBIs, a 986 OPS, 15 doubles, and 3 triples. As a sophomore in 2021, he hit 15 home runs with 64 runs batted in and a 271 batting average. Was a former 14th round draft pick by the Red Sox out of high school in 2019. Has such a great arm and a cannon, a great field and reliable in the outfield. Played for Howitch in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021. In 27 games, he had two home runs, 10 RBIs, seven stone bases in eight attempts, and a 262 batting average. 267 batting average, that is, actually. And played center field for Howitch in 2021. Then Dalton Rushing went 40th overall to the LA Dodgers. He was the number 50th overall draft prospect. He was behind Henry Ford at Louisville up until this past year, who was actually the first overall pick in the 2021 MLB draft. By the Pittsburgh Pirates. I talked about him earlier this episode. Rushing only played two games behind the plate in his freshman and sophomore season because of Henry Ford. Rushing, though, is a six foot one, 220 pound, 21 year old catcher from Louisville. He's a very nice lefty swing, showed flash of great power this past year for Louisville as well. Has a 20 out of 80 run tool, so not great speed at all, but had a 55 of 80 power tool. He played in the Bourne baseball team in the Cape Cod Baseball League last summer in 34 games for them. Had six home runs, 24 RBIs, a 314 batting average, a 401 on base percentage with a 944 slugging percentage. Then this past year at Louisville in 64 games, he had 23 home runs, which was 16th in all of Division I baseball in the nation. 62 runs batted in with a 310 batting average, a 1156 OPS, 155 total bases, and four stolen bases as well. Next up is Tennessee right-handed pitcher Blake Tidwell, who went 52nd overall to the New York Mets in the second round. A 6'4", 207-pound 21-year-old right-handed pitcher. In 2021, as a freshman at Tennessee, he appeared in 18 games, had a 10-3 record in those 18 games, a 3.74 ERA, a 1.196 whip, 90 strikeouts to 34 walks and 98 two-thirds innings pitched, allowing 41 earned runs and 84 hits in those 98 two-thirds innings. This year, in 2022, as a sophomore in nine starts at four relief appearances, he had a 3-2 record with a 3 ERA, 13 earned runs and 39 innings pitched. 51 strikeouts to 11 walks, a 1077 whip, and 11.8 strikeouts per nine innings. He was the number 27 overall prospect in this draft, so getting a 52 is a steal. Fastball stays consistently mid 90s, 93 to 96, can get up to 99. His changeup had a 39% swing and miss rate this past year, and also has a great slider with great movement. So he has a great repertoire of pitches, and it's obviously shown that he's very accurate as seen by his strike. Strikeout to walk ratio, which is 4.64 strikeouts for every walk and 11.3 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. So, very accurate pitcher. Mets picked up a good one there, 52. Then, Parker Messick, a left handed pitcher of Florida State, taken the second round of 54th overall by the Cleveland Guardians. Six foot, 225 pound, 21 year old pitcher. Florida State's Friday night pitcher, actually, in each of the last two seasons, 
In 2021, as a sophomore, the lefty went 8-2 on the mound with a 3-1 ERA, 3.1 ERA in 16 starts, 126 strikeouts to 23 walks, 12.6 strikeouts per nine innings pitch, and a 5.48 strikeout-to-walk ratio. In 2022, as a junior, he was 7-5 with a 3.38 ERA in 16 starts, 144 strikeouts to 18 walks, and 98 in the third innings pitched, 8 strikeouts for every walk, 11 strikeout-to-walk ratio in the nation, which is very impressive. Very accurate, has a good knuckle curve that has good movement on it. Fastball stays 90 to 92, can get anywhere up to 95. So great draft pick there by the Cleveland Guardians. Then Tyler Locklear at 58th overall went to the Seattle Mariners in the second round. Corner infield, a 6'3", 210-pound, 21-year-old, plays first base, third base from Virginia Commonwealth University, short for VCU. He had very productive numbers at VCU, was the number 98 overall draft prospect in 54 games. As a sophomore in 2021, Walker hit 345 for batting average with a 515 on base percentage, 16 home runs with 66 RBIs, 8 stone bases, 12 doubles, 3 triples, 46 walks to 40 strikeouts, so 6 more walks and he had strikeouts, a 1201 OPS, 69 runs scored in 54 games, and a 799 slugging percentage, which was good enough for 6th in all of the nation in Division One baseball. Then he played in the Cape League in 2021 for Orleans, 9 home runs, for Orleans last summer with 27 RBIs and at 256 with an 837 OPS, 32 strikeouts of six walks. So he struggled in the 34 games with strikeouts, was not as patient as he was at VCU than he was in the Cape League. But in 2022 at VCU, he recovered well in 62 games, hitting 20 home runs, 78 RBIs, 47 walks and 25 strikeouts, so walked 22 more times than he struck out, a 402 batting average, which was good enough for 11th in all of Division I baseball, a 542 on base percentage, which was third in Division I baseball, a 799 slugging percentage, a 1342 OPS, 77 runs scored in 62 games, had 25 doubles, which was fifth in all of Division I baseball, and 179 total bases, which was ninth in the nation. So as you can see, he was on base a lot, didn't strike out much at VCU, and was a huge part of their offense. At 58 is quite the steal to the Seattle Mariners. Played third base at VCU, but will probably end up being a first base in the minors since he does not have the best fielding ability. Does a great arm strength, though, from third base, so maybe they give him a shot and let him stay at third base. His bat is what is really the most impressive part of his game is, and his ability to get on base is unmatched, as you can see, by the 542 on base percentage, third in the nation, 179 total bases, ninth in the nation, and then also adding 42, 47 walks to 25 strikeouts, which is good enough for 22 more walks than he had strikeouts. 47 walks to 25 strikeouts. 22 more walks than he had strikeouts. Very impressive. Then Andrew Taylor, 80th overall selection, right-handed pitcher, was a compensation draft pick in the second round to the Houston Astros. 6'5", 190-pound, 20-year-old right-handed pitcher from Central Michigan University, was the 80th overall draft prospect in the draft. Another very underrated draft prospect here, who had great seasons the last few years now for the Chippewas, helped Central Michigan get to the NCAA tournament, and then also helped CMU win the Mid-American Conference tournament. First CMU pitcher actually drafted in the first four rounds since 1986, and that's according to MLB.com. He was the number 156 prospect in the draft by MLB.com. He was the 80th overall selection, so I know I just said he was the 80th overall prospect. He was the 80th overall selection by the Houston Astros, but was the number 156 prospect in the draft by MLB.com. Had a tremendous career at CMU as a freshman in 2020 before this season was shut down because of COVID. Was 1-0 in five appearances with a 2-1-6 ERA. Four earned runs and 11 hits allowed in 16 and two-thirds innings pitched. Ten strikeouts to four walks and a .9 whip. As a sophomore in 2021, he actually won MAC Pitcher of the Year, so he won a Conference Pitcher of the Year in the Mid-American Conference. 
Also an All-American selection as well. In 15 starts, he was 11-4 in the mound with a 1-8-1 ERA. 19 earned runs and 64 hits allowed in 94 and a third innings pitched. 125 strikeouts and 24 walks. So the strikeout rate was very impressive. 5.21 strikeouts for every walk. Had a .93 whip and also 11.9 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. Played in the Cape League in 2021. We had a 1-2-9 ERA and two starts with a one earned run and three hits allowed in seven innings pitched. With 11 strikeouts to three walks. 14.1 strikeouts per nine innings pitched and 3.7 strikeouts for every walk and a .857 whip. So did very well in the Cape League. Then as a junior for the Chips in 2022, had an 8-4 record in 17 appearances with 15 starts made, 3.21 ERA, 30 earned runs and 61 hits allowed in 84 innings pitched, 126 strikeouts to 27 walks, so 99 more strikeouts than he had walks, 13.5 strikeouts per nine innings pitched, a 4.67 strikeout to walk ratio, and a 1.048 whip. His fastball stays in the 90s, can get all the way up to 94, stays low 90s consistently. Throws a great changeup as well that stays in the upper 70s, low 80s, and has a very good changeup, as I said, but has a very good curveball in slider as well. So very impressive draft prospect there and a great pick by the Houston Astros at 80th overall. So the last steal of day one that I'm going to talk about was Jacob Melton, a 6'3", 208-pound outfielder, 21-year-old from Oregon State, 39th overall draft prospect by MLB.com. He was taken in the second round by the Houston Astros at 64th overall. He was a 2022 Pac-12 Player of the Year, and to be drafted in the second round, 64th, is just a steal. He was a finalist for the Dick Hauser Trophy, which is given to the best college baseball player. He was also a finalist for the Golden Spikes Award as well, given to the best amateur player in the United States. In 2021, as a sophomore at Oregon State, he hit 404 with a 1163 OPS, 6 home runs, 25 runs batted in, 19 runs scored in 8 stone bases in 32 games. Then as a junior this past year in 2022, in 63 games, he hit 360 with the 1094 OPS, 17 home runs to 83 runs batted in, tied for the single season Oregon State record actually for RBIs at 83, 21 stolen bases in 22 attempts, 22 doubles, 4 triples, and also had 175 total bases, which also tied the Oregon State single season record. Has great upside, so high upside selection here with great value by Houston. Can do everything needed and adds great speed as well. Has a great arm. Can hit for power and average well. Not afraid to take an extra base by stealing or stretching a single into a double. And honestly, probably be one of the better prospects in this draft five years from now. So now I'm going to transition to my winners of the MLB draft to start off Kumar Rocca. Jumping from 10th pick in the 2021 MLB draft, being selected by the New York Mets and not signing with them because of his medical grades by the New York Mets. They did not agree with them and did not want to pay him. Jumped from 10th pick in the 2021 draft to third pick in the 2022 draft without even playing in college this past year. He did pitch very well in the Indy League, but taking a year off from college when he could have went back to Vanderbilt for a senior season, but chose actually to just instead go back and play in the Indy League rather than play in college. Jumps from the 10th pick to the third pick. Very impressive to still be a top three pick, even though you're a year back and went seven picks higher than you did the year before. So the first team that's the winner of my Opinion in day one was the Baltimore Orioles. Grabbing Jackson Holiday at one was a great pick. Then grabbing Dylan Beavis at 33rd, which I just talked about a minute ago. 6'4", 20-year-old outfielder from California. Number 22 overall draft prospect. Hit very well at twenty in 2022 for California. 17 home runs at 50 RBIs. Very good lefty hitter with power. Then Max Wagner was the next Baltimore Orioles selection. A 6'215", 20-year-old third baseman from Clemson University. Was the ACC Player of the Year recipient this past season. Was a number 66 prospect in the draft. Has a great arm. 
Hits well for power. Had a 55 power tool and a 55 arm tool. So great arm, great power hitter. Had 27 home runs, 76 RBIs, 51 strikeouts to 45 walks, 370 batting average with a 496 on base percentage, an 852 slugging percentage, and a 1348 OPS, and 66 runs scored in 58 games. Was only a sophomore this past year, only played in 2021 as a freshman very briefly and struggled. But his breakout season this past year in 2022 allowed him to still be a second-round selection. As I said, 27 home runs, which was the most in the ACC and actually third most in our college baseball, tied with Matt Courtney of Old Dominion, who I'm actually going to talk about in a minute. And also was tied with Tommy White, NC State freshman Freenom, who's actually in the transfer portal right now. And I talked about him in my show probably 10 episodes ago now. But he hit the transfer portal, Tommy White, great player at 27 home runs at 55 games as a freshman. Then Max Wagner, as I was just talking about, was a steal to the Baltimore Orioles. Orioles had a great draft, great day one. Really couldn't have gone better for a team that's been struggling over the past few years. But now, really just seeing new life. Really turned the franchise around over the past month. They've been playing very well. I'm going to talk about them in my next episode about how well they've been playing. But grabbing Jackson Holiday, then Dylan Beavis, then Max Wagner. Such a great start to the MLB draft for them. So day one is very hot for them. And then Judd Fabian, they also took in day one, which I'm going to talk about him. Actually, as a loser of mine of the day one since he went 67th overall to the Orioles when he was the 40th overall selection by the Red Sox. Bet on himself and tried to become a first-round pick. Ends up falling to the second round. Still not bad, though. I mean, being the 40th overall selection and the 67th isn't bad. But the reason why he was a loser is because he went back to Florida, tried to get more money, tried to become a first-round pick, and ends up going 67th to the 40th. The Los Angeles Angels are my next day one winner. They only had one pick, actually. took Zach Neto at 13th out of Campbell, who was one of my favorite picks in the draft, one of my favorite plays in the draft. I think he's a steal. I think he's going to be one of the better prospects in this draft. Probably the top – I think he's going to be a top three, top five prospect in this draft. I think he's that good, and I think he's going to be a name everyone knows five years from now in the major leagues. The next winner I have is the Detroit Tigers. They took Jace Jung at 12 and the Peyton Graham at 51. Graham was 10th in Division one baseball with 178 total bases. And the Jung, second baseman from Texas Tech, I talked about him in my episode before round one, and I also talked about him in this episode already. Jace Jung, second baseman from Texas Tech, 21 years old, 6'205 pound second baseman. His junior year at Texas Tech was his past year. Hit 335 with 14 home runs, 57 RBIs, and a 1093 OPS. Had 59 walks and 42 strikeouts this past year as a junior, so 17 more walks and strikeouts. In his three year career at Texas Tech, had 126 strikeouts and 102 walks, a 328 batting average of 39 home runs. Has a hit for tool and power of 60 of 80, so very impressive. So them grabbing him in the first round was a great pick. And then they also grabbed Peyton Graham in the second round, a six foot three, 185 pound, 21 year old shortstop out of Oklahoma. 2022 junior season was this past year. 20 home runs, which was 32nd in all college baseball. 71 runs batted in, 34 stolen bases and 36 attempts. 34 stolen bases, which was good enough at 11th in all college baseball. 71 runs batted in, 28 walks and 69 strikeouts. So he does K a lot. That's something he has to improve upon. 335 batting average and a 1058 OPS. Improved his speed heavily this year with 34 stolen bases and 17 doubles. But the issue with him, though, is a strikeout issue. And I think that's the reason he fell to, day, to the second round of day one. Uh, but luckily, still a day one selection on day two selection. I have him as one of my steals of the draft, and that's why I think the Detroit Tigers had a great day one. My next winner of the draft is Miami Marlins, who grabbed one of the best college bats in the draft, and Jacob Barry at sixth overall, and then also grabbed a right-handed pitcher, Jacob Miller, out of Liberty Union High School in Ohio at 46th overall in the second round. He was regarded as one of the best young high school pitchers in this draft. Jacob Barry, who I already talked about, and I was given the 15-pick rundown of what happened. In the first round, Jacob Berry, third baseman, outfielder, six foot, 212 pound, 
outfielder from LSU, 21 years old, had 15 home runs and 48 RBIs with a 370 batting average and a 464 in base percentage this past year at LSU as a sophomore in 53 games. Adds some versatility playing third base and outfield. As I said, one of the best college hitters in this draft. Then Jacob Miller, 6'2", 180-pound, 18-year-old right-handed pitcher from Liberty Union in Ohio, a high school draft prospect. Was a 37th draft prospect, 46th overall draft pick. Was regarded as one of the best high school pitching arms in this class, arguably the best right-handed pitcher from high school in the draft. Fastball gets up to 99 with the slider in the mix as well. Was 15-2 in the past two years on the mound. Committed to Louisville, actually just 14 years old, so one of the best programs in all of college baseball. He committed to at 14, and in three years in high school, he started 27 games on the mound with 382 strikeouts and 172 innings pitched. As a senior this past year, Miller had a 9-1 record and 57 innings pitched with 133 strikeouts. So as you see, he gets a lot of Ks, and throw 99 in high school, not many people are going to have the bats for me to catch up to you, but quite the draft in day one for the Miami Marlins. Then the Minnesota Twins took Brooks Lee at 8th overall. As I said before, one of my favorite overall prospects with Zach Neto. In his junior season of 2022 for the Cal Poly Mustangs, Brooks Lee hit 15 home runs with 55 RBIs, a 357 batting average, and a 1125 OPS in 58 games. Also added 25 doubles, which was 5th in all Division I baseball. Had an unreal summer last year in the Cape League for the YD Red Sox. Hit 405 with a 432 on base percentage, a 1099 OPS, and 6 home runs in 21 games for the YD Red Sox. Then the Minnesota Twins took Connor Prelip, a 6'2", 210-pound left-handed pitch from Alabama at 48th overall in the second round. He's a mystery, but showed great flashes of greatness before undergoing Tommy John surgery in 2021, which makes him a mystery. In 2020, he was 3-0 in four starts with a zero ERA, no earned runs, and five hits allowed in 21 innings pitched, 35 strikeouts with six walks, had 15 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. That was his rate, 15 strikeouts per nine innings pitched and a 5.83 strikeout-to-walk ratio, and a .524 whip. So was absolutely dominant in 2020 as a freshman. Then in 2021, before he got Tommy John, was 1-0 in three starts with a 3.86 ERA, three earned runs and eight hits allowed in seven innings pitched, 12 strikeouts to one walk. His career at Bama, he was 4-1 with a .96 ERA, 47 strikeouts to seven walks, and 15.1 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. 6.7 strikeouts for every walk, which is wild. Such a great strikeout-to-walk ratio. I think he could end up being one of the biggest steals of the entire draft if he can return to form and health like he was before Tommy John. He was a 37th-round selection by the Red Sox coming out of high school in 2019, but obviously didn't sign. Chose to go to Bama and now ends up being a second-round pick by the Minnesota Twins. The next Minnesota Twins selection was Tanner Schobel, a 5'10", 170-pound middle infielder from Virginia Tech. He was a 68th overall Draft pick by the Minnesota Twins in the competitive balance round B. In 59 games in 2022 for Virginia Tech, he had 19 home runs for the Hokies with 74 runs batted in, 7 stolen bases, 18 doubles, a 362 batting average, a 689 slugging percentage, and a 1134 OPS. For born in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021, he had 302 in 29 games played with 3 home runs, 17 RBIs, and an 843 OPS. I love what the Minnesota Twins did on day one, and that makes them a day one winner, in my opinion. The last day one winner is the New York Mets. They took Kevin Prater at 11th, a sophomore catcher out of Georgia Tech, who I'm a big fan of. 361 batting average in 60 games this past year with a 453 on base percentage and a 1162 OPS. 26 home runs, which was tied to 6th in Division I baseball, most among all catchers in college baseball. 
88 RBIs, which was third in all of college baseball, 11 stolen bases in 12 attempts, 79 runs scored, which was fourth in college baseball, and 183 total bases, which was sixth in college baseball. One of the best offensive players in this draft. There's not many great offensive catches in the major leagues today, so I wouldn't be surprised if he works his way up quickly in the New York Mets farm system. That's quite the selection at 11, considering how much success he had as an offensive catcher at Georgia Tech, since there's not many great offensive catches in the game of baseball anymore. Then the New York Mets followed that pick up with Jet Williams at 14th, the high school shortstop. This year as a senior at 347 with five doubles, nine triples, five home runs, 37 RBIs, 40 runs scored, and 15 stolen bases. Quite the draft selection there. And then Blake Tedwell was one of my draft day steals of day one, was taken 52nd overall by the New York Mets in the second round. This year in 2022 as a sophomore, in nine starts at four relief appearances with three and two in the mound with the three ERA, 13 earned runs, and 39 innings pitched. So quite the day one for the New York Mets in day one of the MLB draft. So to break down my winners one more time of day one, I had Kumar Rocca, the Baltimore Orioles, the Los Angeles Angels, the Detroit Tigers, Miami Marlins, Minnesota Twins, and the New York Mets as my day one winners. Now to transition to my losers. I have the L.A. Dodgers who had only one pick in the top 80 on day one. There were 80 selections and they only had one selection. They did draft Dalton Rushing, though, from Louisville, who's a great prospect, great catcher. I'm a big fan of him, but most teams had at least two selections on night one, and the L.A. Dodgers only had one. So I consider them a draft day loser just having one pick. A lot of analysts did as well just because they only had one selection, but with the one they did take, Dalton Rushing was a great, heavy upside draft pick. Then the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, my next loser, they took Xavier Isaac in the first round, the 29th overall selection, a 6'4", 240-pound first baseman from East Forsyth High in North Carolina. He's a Florida commit and was actually the number 113th overall prospect by MLB.com. So he was overdrafted heavily by the Rays here. Could be what I was talking about earlier in the episode. We overdraft a guy to pay him the underslot value. That maybe is the reason he was the 29th overall pick. He only played first base in high school and doesn't have any versatility on the field really. Doesn't add any speed. Probably would have been a third pick, third round pick at best by most probably considering he was the 113th prospect in the draft, maybe a late second round pick, but the Rays reached heavily here, in my opinion, taking him at 29th. He does have great offensive numbers, though, so I'm not taking anything away from him there, but I think they could have got him in the second or third round. They must have wanted to save money and pay the underslot value, as I said. So in 26 games this past year as a senior, he hit 578 for a batting average in 26 games with 12 home runs, 28 RBIs, 6 doubles, 2 triples, 29 walks to 9 strikeouts, or 20 more walks than he had strikeouts, a 708 on base percentage, a 1296 slugging percentage, and a 2005 OPS. One thing about the, tech, the Tampa Bay Rays, though, is that they always do draft one of a great farm system. I'm not saying this player is not going to be a good player at all. He's going to be a great player, I'm sure, just because of how much success they've had in the minor leagues. But I think they probably could have drafted him in the second round, late second round of day one, or maybe early day two in the third round. But they end up drafting him in the first round. That's why I consider them a draft day loser. So next is the Texas Rangers. I have them as a draft day loser coming into day one of the draft. They had only one pick on night one. That was the third overall selection. Rather than taking someone without medical concerns, they took Kumar Rocker at three, who I'm a big fan of. I think he's a great player, but he was selected 10th last year and then ends up jumping seven picks to be the third overall pick this year. I thought for a team that already drafted a first-round pitcher last year in Jack Leida, I thought they maybe could have gone with Tamad Johnson here. I know they do have Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon lined up to be their second baseman and shortstop for years to come, but maybe Tamad Johnson could have made the transition to third base for them. Uh, but at the end of the day, I thought maybe drafting a younger prospect would have been a better decision for them, but they end up going with Kumar Rocker at three. As I said, I think he's a great player, but for a team that probably could have used 
some younger prospects like Tamad Johnson could have been probably one of the better steals of the draft with the third overall selection since he could have gone first. But with all that being said, if Rocker could find a way to stay healthy, I think he could be a very dangerous pitcher and probably be one of the top five prospects in the Rangers farm system. As I said, I don't think they're a draft eight loser for this. I would say a draft eight questionables list just because jumping from the 10th pick to the third pick without playing in college over the last year. I know he did play in the Indy League, but jumping from 10th to 3rd without playing in college this last year, and then you factor in the medical concerns that the New York Mets had with them, I thought that's a little bit questionable of a pick. But at the end of the day, very good pitcher, and I would not be surprised if he becomes one of the best players in this draft because how dominant he was at Vanderbilt. The Texas Rangers did not have a second-round pick or a third-round pick in this draft because they did uh, sign Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon during free agency, so they did not have a second-round pick or a compensation pick due to that reason of signing both those guys during free agency. So next is Judd Fabian, is another draft day loser of mine. He was selected 40th overall by the Boston Red Sox last year in the draft, but ended up going back to college because he didn't want to sign with the Red Sox. Ends up going 67th overall to the Baltimore Orioles in this year's draft in the competitive balance around B selection of the second round. He went back to Florida for a senior year, did play very well in 66 games, hitting 239 with a 598 slugging percentage, a 1013 OPS, 24 home runs, which was good enough for 11th in the nation. 55 runs batted in, 9 stolen bases and 13 attempts, 63 runs scored, 10 doubles, and also lowered his strikeout to walk ratio this past year, 69 strikeouts to 62 walks, so he's a little bit more patient at the plate. He walked 62 times this past year compared to just 40 in 2021, so we saw more pitches this year, got a little bit more patient at the plate. As a junior at Florida in 2021, had 20 home runs with 46 RBIs, a 249 batting average, and a 924 OPS. He has elite power, which is why I think drafting him in the second round in the compensation part of the draft or in the competitive balance part of the draft for the Baltimore Orioles is a great draft pick with high upside. He played in the Cape Cod Baseball League as a freshman at just 18 years old. For Bourne, hit six home runs with 16 RBIs, a 290 batting average, an 850 OPS and 35 games played. He did strike out 36 times, which is the reason I think he has to just improve his game a little bit is the strikeouts. I think that's probably the reason he had to fall into the second round is because of the amount of strikeouts he did struggle with, but he did as I said, do better at the plate this past year. 69 strikeouts to 62 walks. But I think at the end of the day, it was a draft day loser since he bet on himself, went back to Florida, which I understood. I get that if he wasn't getting enough money from the Red Sox. But I think the Red Sox probably would offer him more money at the 40th overall selection than the Baltimore Orioles are at 67. But who knows? I mean, I haven't seen his contract yet. So my last draft day loser, which as I said, a couple of these are just questionable things. Like the Texas Rangers tank, Kumar Rock, I wouldn't consider him a loser at three, just a questionable pick. So... I wouldn't consider them a loser. Judd Fabian, probably not a loser for going back to college since I figure he's not drafting a loser at day one. But I think maybe at 40th overall, maybe might have got more money from the Red Sox and he's getting a 67th from the Orioles. But as I said, the Orioles do have the most money to spend in this draft, the second highest bonus draft pool in MLB draft history. So who knows? Maybe they do have a great contact from him. He's making more money than he did with the Red Sox or would have with the Red Sox, that is. But the only loser that I have of day one in reality on the L.A. Dodgers since they only had one selection. The Tampa Bay Rays taking Xavier Isaac. And then the Red Sox. So Judd Fabian and the Texas Rangers, just questionable things there. The Red Sox, my last loser of day one. The Red Sox reached with their selection of Mikey Romero, 24th overall. He was a high school shortstop out of Lutheran. Orange Lutheran High in California. An underslot signing, so maybe that's the reason they took him so high. Just to save money for other draft picks in the draft. So like I said, underslot signing to save money for guys you're going to overdraft later on in the draft. But... This is the third straight year the Red Sox used their first-round pick on a middle infielder, Nick York in 2020. Marcelo Meyer was a shortstop, taking 2021, a high school shortstop. 
Nick York was a high school second baseman taken in 2020. And then a shortstop this year, again, Mike Romero was this year's selection in 2022, another shortstop. Romero was the 65th overall prospect on the MLB Top 250 Draft Prospects list from MLB.com. But according to Chris Cotillo, uh, Marcelo Maya, the 2021 first-round pick, in fourth overall selection is best friends with Romero, so maybe that plays a role into them drafting him. Who knows? But uh, Romero said that he texts Maya on a regular basis. But the reason I have him as a draft day loser and the Red Sox taking him so high is that they probably could have got him in the second round. And then also, I mean, who knows? At the end of the day, maybe he wouldn't have fallen that far. But then you look at it, taking him at 27th or 24th, when you could have probably gotten him later on, and you also, this makes your third straight year taking middle infield is, it's just something the Red Sox got to fix. I think three straight years at middle infield is, en- two straight years enough. Three straight years is just absolutely ridiculous. And then also, you have guys like Trevor Story and Xander Bogots. You have Trevor Story locked up for another five years after this year. And then if you were to lock up Xander Bogots and Rafael Devis for five, six to ten years, how many years it is, Devis will probably get a ten-year deal. Bogots probably gets around six or seven. But you can have those guys locked up. For seven plus years to come, you were going to sign both those guys. You have Trevor Story for another five years. Where are these guys going to fit? Where's Nick York and Marcelo Meyer and Mike Romero going to fit on the Red Sox four years from now? That's just why it's a questionable pick for me, and that's why they're drafting loser in my opinion. But as I said, Meyer and Romero are great friends, the best friends they text every day. So it does make a cool story out of it. So I'm not hating on the player. I think obviously he could be a great player, but I think it's the position. Drafting three straight years middle infield is when I want to re-sign Bogots and I want to re-sign Devis. I don't think it's a question. You have to re-sign Devers, but I would not be surprised if the Red Sox were to not do it since they nickel and dimed with Mookie Betts. They didn't want to pay Kyle Schwarber this past year since they wanted to keep J.D. Martinez. I would not be surprised if the Red Sox don't end up keeping Xander Bogots and Rafael Devers. But let's say they do in an alternate universe. They keep Devers and Bogots and have Trevor Story. Four years from now, where are Mike Romero, Nick York, and Marcelo Maia going to fit? If you have Rafael Devers playing third base... Xander Bogart's playing shortstop and Trevor Story playing second. Maybe Devis takes a leap and goes to play first base, as I said. But where are these guys going to fit? And then they also took Cutter Coffee, another guy, which this isn't the reason they're a draft day loser. The reason they're a draft day loser, in my opinion, is taking Mike Romero at 24th overall when he was an underslot signing, a heavy underslot signing. Uh, but they took Cutter Coffee, their last selection on day one, was another high school player taken out of Liberty High School in California, was ranked 103rd by ESPN, 105th by MLB Network, was an overslot signing here, which could be the reason they took Mike Romero at 24th. So they took Mike Romero at 24th just to save some money. Underslot signing in Romero to save some money for an overslot signing in Coffee. Coffee's a six foot two, 190-pound, 18-year-old third baseman, has a good arm and can hit well for power, can throw 94 across a diamond, so he's a crazy cannon of an arm. Played shortstop in high school, but will probably make the transition to a corner infielder at third base. In 31 games this past year, Coffee at 442 for Liberty with 32 runs batted in, 13 doubles, 3 triples, 12 home runs, 2 grand slams, a 581 on base percentage, and a 1021 slugging percentage with a 1602 OPS, 48 runs scored, 28 walks and 17 strikeouts, or 11 more walks and strikeouts, and 13 stolen bases and 13 attempts. Also at a 91.2% fielding percentage with 12 errors at shortstop, which is the reason I don't think he'll stay there in the minors. I think he'll transition to third baseman, especially with Nick York and Marcelo Maia being your shortstop at second baseman in the minors, you know, your best ones in the minors. I'd imagine Romero stays, goes to second base, Maia plays shortstop, and then who knows, McCoffey probably becomes a third baseman. He pitched as well in high school, had 13 earned runs and 35 and two-thirds innings pitched with 42 strikeouts and 17 walks. 26 hits allowed with a 2.55 ERA, a 3 and 3 record, and 17 appearances with two saves as well uh, in his high school career pitching. 
had an impressive junior hitting in 2021, hit 479 in 21 games with nine home runs, 36 RBIs, 29 runs scored in a 564 on base percentage with a 945 slugging percentage and a 1509 OPS, 14 walks to eight strikeouts, just struck out only eight times, so six more walks than strikeouts, which is very impressive. So the Red Sox are drafting a loser for me for taking Mikey Ramiro. It doesn't have anything to do with Cotter Coffee, but Mikey Ramiro being their 24th overall selection, a heavy underslot signing and a heavy overdraft, in my opinion. So taking him is a reason they would draft a loser. Texas Rangers taking Kumar Rocker and the Judd Fabian falling to 67th to the Baltimore Orioles after being the 40th overall selection in the 2021 MLB draft by the Red Sox. Those two picks right there, Rocker and Judd Fabian. Don't consider them loser of draft day, the Texas Rangers and Judd Fabian. That is, I don't consider them losers of uh, draft day, day one, but I consider them questionable moves there. But the LA Dodgers, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Red Sox are my real losers of day one. So now I'm going to transition to the, who had the best MLB drafts overall. To start off, the LA Angels, nine of their first nine selections were college players. In total, in the whole entire MLB draft, 18 to 19 players were college players. They only took one high school selection of the 19. And last year in the draft, they actually had 20 selections, and 20 of those 20 picks were pitches, 19 of them being college pitches. So if you look at it, over the last two MLB drafts between 2021 and 2022, they took 39 players, and 37 of those were college players, with 18 of them being college players this year out of 19, and 19 of 20 being college pitches last year. So 37 out of their last 39 picks in the last two MLB drafts were college players, which is very impressive. So it shows they value college players a lot more than high school players, and they do value how well players do in college rather than taking a kid in high school that's younger. So that shows they do value how old the prospect is and how developed they are, especially if they're taking 37 of their last 39 picks were college players. So it shows they do have a particular type in what they want in prospects, and typically, most of the time, almost always, is a college prospect rather than a high school prospect. So to break down this selections, they took Zach Nettle with a 13th overall pick, shortstop from Campbell. Absolute stud, 407 batting average this past year, which was 6th in Division I baseball. A 1283 OPS, 15 home runs, 50 RBIs, a 514 on base percentage, which was 5th in Division I baseball. Absolute stud on the offensive part of the game, also the defensive part of the game as well. He's great all around, but as you can see by his ability to get on base, he's an absolute wizard, always getting on and always taking bases too, stole some bases too at Campbell. So... Hot start there for the Angels getting him the first round. As I said, I had them winning day one. I had them a day one winner. And now I also have them as one of the best teams uh, after the draft, one of the best drafts overall. Next up is Ben Joyce. They took in the third round. So I'm just going to highlight some plays they took that I was a big fan of. They took Ben Joyce in the third round, a 6'5", 225-pound right-handed pitcher from the University of Tennessee. He was the number 112 draft prospect by MLB.com. He got Tommy John surgery and came back throwing actually 105, which is absolutely crazy. Missed two years with elbow and shoulder surgeries, uh, but ended up coming back throwing 105. As I said, his fastball has an average of 101.3, so shows he has a cannon of an arm. 90% of his fastballs were 100 miles an hour plus, and he had an 80 out of 80 fastball tool, which was highest in the class. He had a 2-1 record with a 2-2-3 ERA in 27 appearances. Eight earned runs and 32 and a third innings pitched with 14.8 strikeouts per nine innings pitched and 3.7 strikeout to walk ratio. So very impressive numbers there for him and he'll bolster their bullpen one day whenever he makes it up to the majors. Next up that they drafted, I was a big fan of was Matt Courtney, a six foot one, 230 pound first baseman and a senior from Old Dominion University. Tenth round selection, pick 298 overall by the LA Angels. 
In 58 games this year for Old Dominion, Courtney hit 376 with 27 home runs, 70 RBIs, 185 total bases, which was good enough for third in Division I baseball, an 808 slugging percentage, which was fifth in all of the country, 473 on base percentage, 18 doubles, three stolen bases, a 1281 OPS, and an 808 slugging percentage, as I said, which was good enough to be fifth in Division I baseball. So fifth in slugging percentage, third in total bases, and then third in home runs. This kid's an absolute stud on offense and quite a steal in the 10th round. I'm going to break down some of my top steals of the MLB draft, and he's definitely one of them. Quite a draft pick there by the Angels, especially considering how much offensive production he had at Old Dominion this last year. Quite a steal in the 10th round, as I said. Then they also took Max Skeeg, another guy I'm a big fan of. 6'5", 220-pound, 21-year-old right-handed pitcher from Boston College. I saw him pitch a ton at BC over the last year. Uh, he was the 18th round selection, 538th overall by the LA Angels. Fastball sits around 95. Good slider with depth that sits around 83. As a junior at BC this past year, he was 4-2 in the mound in 15 appearances, made 7 starts, 278 ERA, 26 strikeouts, 19 walks. He did struggle with walks. 26 strikeouts, 19 walks, and 22 and two-thirds innings pitched. 7 earned runs and a 10.3 strikeout per 9 inning rate. He played in the Cape Baseball League the last two summers now in 2021 and 2022. In 2021 for Katuit, he was 1-0 in seven appearances with a 1-5 ERA, three earned runs, 16 strikeouts to nine walks, 14 hits allowed and 18 innings pitched, a 1-2-7-8 whip, then played for Katuit again this summer, was 1-1 in eight appearances out of the bullpen with four earned runs, 11 strikeouts, six walks, 10 hits allowed and 15 innings pitched with a save, a 106-7 whip, and three ERA. So very impressive stats there for him and one of the better years for BC on the mound. Good pick there in the 18th round by the Angels. Then they also took Luke Franzoni, a six foot two, 220-pound outfielder from Xavier University. 22-year-old, they took him in the 19th round at 568th overall. Clearly, the Angels went with power bats, getting Matt Courtney, who, as I said, was third in Division I baseball, 27 home runs. Then they took Franzoni, who was just above Courtney, with 28 home runs, which was good enough for second in Division I baseball. This past season, Franzoni hit 354 for Xavier with 29 home runs, number two in Division I baseball, as I said. 79 RBIs and 821 slugging percentage, which was fourth in the country. A 1306 OPS, 63 strikeouts with 54 walks. Does not add much speed, though, with only one stolen base, but he's a bigger guy. 174 total bases, which was fifth in Division I baseball. And then he also played for the YD Red Sox this summer in the Cape League with two home runs, eight RBIs. Did struggle with the plate a little, hit 216 with a 701 OPS, but five runs scored in 15 games. He did add a lot of offensive power to that Xavier lineup this year. As I said, 29 home runs, which is good enough for second in Division I baseball. And they also add. Matt Courtney, who is third in Division I baseball, 27 home runs. So the Angels did value power heavily in this draft, and they draft two guys that can swing a ton. Next up, I have the New York Yankees as a draft day winner. They took Spencer Jones in the first round, a first-round pick out of Vanderbilt. Tristan Vreeling in the third round, then also took Cam Schiller and Sebastian Keene, two Northeastern baseball pitches. They also took Drew Thorpe, a right-handed pitcher from Cal Poly University in the second round. His great off-speed movement and control, very accurate pitcher. was 10-1 this past year at Cal Poly in 15 games. A 2-3-2 ERA, 149 strikeouts with 25 walks and 104 and two-thirds innings pitched. A .86 whip, a 5.96, 5.96 strikeout to walk ratio, 12.8 strikeouts per nine innings pitched, and 149 strikeouts, which was second in the nation. Very good pitcher, very productive on the mound. Gets a lot of outs. Pitched for YD in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021. Had a .9 ERA in two appearances with one earned run and ten innings pitched. Nine strikeouts or three walks. Another Yankees pitcher I'm a big fan of, Tristan Vreeling. Took him 100th overall in the third round, a pitcher from Gonzaga. 
appeared in seven games, starting in two of them this last summer for Bourne in the Cape Cod Baseball League. That's in 2021. 2-0 with a 104 ERA in the Cape, allowing just two earned runs and seven hits in 17 to third innings pitched. 21 strikeouts with seven walks. Had a 10.9 strikeout per nine inning rate and three strikeouts per walk in the Cape Cod Baseball League. Very good pitcher there as well. Then they also took Eric Razelman, a fifth-round selection, 160th overall selection by the Yankees, a right-handed pitcher from LSU. Razelman went 1-3 on the mound with the 404 ERA with three saves this past year for LSU. Razelman struck out 66 batters to 18 walks and 42 and a third innings pitched and also had a 200 opponent batting average. He did get Tommy John surge in 2020, so there are some injury concerns there. But his fastball gets up to 100, and he had a decent year. Obviously, his numbers at 404 ERA aren't that great, but he still shows a lot of promise with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and 66 strikeouts to 18 walks and 42 and 30 innings pitched. Next up, another Yankees steal that I have is they took, with the 310th selection in the 10th round in day two, the Yankees took Will Bryant of Eastern Kentucky, who was 23 years old, has been an elite reliever each of the last two years at Eastern Kentucky, one of the better relievers in college baseball. This past year, he was 3-1 on the mound with a 183 ERA in 31 games, was the closer for Eastern Kentucky, had 15 saves, which was third in Division One baseball, had eight earned runs allowed and 39 and third innings pitched, 53 strikeouts to 18 walks in 2021. He was 2-1 on the mound with a 2-4-8 ERA, added 10 saves. He was reliever yet again. 48 strikeouts to 10 walks and 32 and two-thirds innings pitched. So the Yankees drafted 15 pitches in their 20 picks in the draft, and 20 out of 20 of their draft selections, so 15 in the pitches and then five position players, were all from college. So 20 out of 20 of their selections were college picks, so they value heavily experience in their draft picks, with none of them being from high school, all of them being from college, a value experience, similar to the LA Angels drafting 19 of their 20 picks from college last year, and then also 37 of the last 39 picks all from college. So they value, just like the LA Angels, kids from college that have played, that have already been in a college environment, more developed. 20 of 20 of their picks were pitches last year, 19 of being from college, that's the Angels, and then 18 of 19 were college players this year. So Yankees, Angels, both value college players heavily a lot more than high school players. So the Yankees had a lot of experience there, and they also drafted Cam Schlittler and Sebastian Keene from Northeastern, which I'll talk about both of those guys in a few minutes. I'll talk about where Northeastern players ended up going. Um, and then also the Yankees added Spencer Jones. As I said they started off the draft pretty hot with the first-round pick out of Vanderbilt Outfield, who I talked about already. Very good player, very good prospect as well. Now moving on to the Arizona Diamondbacks. They took Drew Jones at second overall. They are one of my winners of the whole draft. They had one of the best drafts overall. He's a steal at number two, especially considering most writers had him going number one. He ends up falling to number two to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Then the Diamondbacks also took Lyndon Sims at 34th overall, a 6'2", 227-pound right-handed pitcher from Mississippi State. The number 44 overall draft prospect. His fastball sits 94 to 96. He actually did just get Tommy John surgery in March, so good amount of pitches in these first two rounds got Tommy John surgery within the last year or two. Before Tommy John, he was a junior this year. 0-2 in three starts, became a full-time starter after being a reliever in his first two seasons. Before getting surgery, Tommy John, this past year, he had a 1-1-5 ERA with two earned runs and 15 two-thirds innings pitched, 27 strikeouts to two walks for a 13.5 strikeout-to-walk ratio, and had 15.5 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. Very good prospect there. He was a sophomore in 2021 at Mississippi State. He was dominant on the mound. 5-0 in 25 appearances with a 1-4-4 ERA, a .781 whip, 100 strikeouts at 15 walks, 9 earned runs at 56 in a third innings pitched, with 13 saves and 16 strikeouts per 9 innings pitched with a 6.67 strikeout-to-walk ratio. 
quite a steal for them at 34. And then you look at it, Ivan Melendez at 43rd overall in the second round was taken by the Diamondbacks as well. A 6'03", 225-pound first baseman from Texas, 22 years old, 99th overall draft prospect. He had a 60 out of 80 power tool and a 30 out of 80 speed tool, so speed's the only thing that he really lacks. He won the Golden Spikes Award in 2022, given to the best amateur player in the United States. He was number one at slugging percentage in Division I baseball with an 863 slugging percentage, 10th in Division I baseball with 96 hits, 387, which was good enough for 25th for batting average in Division I baseball, a 508 on base percentage, which was 6th in the country, 214 total bases, which was number one in the country, 32 home runs, which was number one in the nation, 94 RBIs, and 52 walks to 51 strikeouts. So he walks one more time, he struck out. Very patient hitter. Also added 18 doubles and had a 1371 OPS. He could honestly end up being the biggest deal in the draft. Quite a draft for the Diamondbacks, especially starting with Jones to Sims and then Melendez. That's a great draft. And as I said, I think Ivan Melendez could end up being the biggest still in this draft, especially considering how much offensive production he had. And he was a second-round pick, 43rd overall, won the Golden Spikes Award, best amateur player in the United States. And then you look at all the stats, was top in every single offensive category, 508 on base percentage. Also was number one in the nation with 32 home runs, I said, and that's a big reason he won the Golden Spikes Award. You should check out his highlight reel. But I think this could, could end up being the biggest steal out of any in the whole draft, especially with him falling to 43rd. I thought he could have gone 15, 20, 25, but... He ends up falling after a huge season at Texas, was the best player on the team. So very impressive the year for him. The next team to talk about is a winner and who had the best draft overall. One other team is the Houston Astros. They took Drew Gilbert, a Tennessee outfielder taken in the first round. He had 11 home runs with 70 RBIs and a 362 batting average at 58 games in 2022 as a junior. With four stolen bases, a 455 OBP, a 1128 OPS. 33 walks to 32 strikeouts and 60 runs scored. Very good player there, especially starting hot in the first round. Then they took Trey Dombrowski, another guy I'm a big fan of. They ended up selecting him in the fourth round at 133rd overall. Another steal of a selection on day two, in my opinion. And I'm only giving you guys that I'm a big fan of, and that's the reason I'm ranking who I think had the best drafts. I'm giving you teams and giving some selections that are memorable selections and guys to highlight. So Trey Dombrowski, 6'5", 235-pound left-handed pitch from Monmouth University, 21 years old, was the number 111 prospect by MLB.com in the top 250 draft prospects. He was selected in the fourth round at 133rd overall by the Houston Astros. As I said, another steal on day two. He led the entire Cape League last summer in strikeouts of 45 and had the best ERA in the entire league as well with a .85 ERA with 3-0 and and six appearances, allowing just three earned runs and 31 and two-thirds innings pitched while striking off 45 and just walking two. He had a .916 whip and was a 2021 pitcher of the year in the Cape League. 120 strikeouts this past year at Monmouth, which was good enough, a 16th in the nation, and also had an 8.57 strikeout-to-walk ratio this past year at Monmouth, which was good enough, a 6th in the nation. Such a great draft pick there by the Astros. Then you look at it, they also took Andrew Taylor. The 80th overall selection was a right-handed pitcher in the compensation part of the second round of the draft to the Houston Astros, 6'5", 190-pound, 20-year-old right-handed pitcher from Central Michigan University. As I said before, he helped Central Michigan get to the NCAA tournament. Also, helped them win the MAC tournament. He played in the Cape League in 2021, had a 1-2-9 ERA and two stops with one earned run and three hits allowed in seven innings pitched with 11 strikeouts or three walks. Then as a junior for the Chips in 2022, he was elite on the mound for them, having an 8-4 record at 17 appearances with 15 starts, a 3-2-1 ERA. His fastball stays in the mid-90s, gets all the way up to 94. Also, has a very good changeup with great depth on it in the upper 70s, low 80s range. 
The next Houston Astros selection I was a big fan of was Jacob Melton, a six foot three, two hundred eight pound outfielder, twenty one year old from Oregon State. He was one of my steals on day one, taken by the Houston Astros. They took him in the second round at sixty fourth overall. Twenty twenty two Pac twelve Player of the Year was taken in the second round, so could have been a first round pick, especially considering how good of a year he had as a junior this year. He hit. 360 in 63 games with a 1094 OPS, 17 home runs to 83 RBIs, was actually tied for the single season Oregon State record in RBIs, and also 21 stone bases in 22 attempts. So, very impressive year for him. Then, their last selection I'm going to talk about, they took Joey Mancini from BC in the 15th round. He was a fourth year pitcher at BC this past year, 6'1, 195 pound right handed pitcher. 4-4 on the year record with a 4-7 ERA and 13 snots, 63 strikeouts with 24 walks. In the Cape Cod Baseball League for the second season, he played for the two last summer and now is with Brewster this summer. He had a 1-0 record this summer with a 4-1-5 ERA and 4 starts, 20 strikeouts to 4 walks and 10.4 strikeouts per 9 innings pitched. I really like what the Astros did in the draft and then also I really like what the Diamondbacks did. The Yankees did. I like what the Mets did in day one, getting Parada, Jet Williams, and Blake Tidwell. And then I really like what the LA Angels did. So overall, I think the Angels had the best draft. And then I'm going to go Yankees, Diamondbacks, and Astros with the Mets having a great day one as well. Um, my underrated steals of the draft. So I'm going to highlight some players that fell in the draft that shouldn't have gone as far as they did, in my opinion, and some great underrated gems that I think people should have their eye on and guys to highlight. So to start off, Josh Hatcher was taken in the 10th round by the Texas Rangers, the 289th overall. Transferred to Kennesaw State this past year from Mississippi State. 6'2", 200-pound outfielder. Had 109 hits this past year for Kennesaw State, which was number one in all of Division I baseball. Had a 391 average, which was 21st in the nation. 26 doubles, which was number one in the nation. And 186 total bases, which was number two in the nation. 15 home runs, 59 RBIs, a 1-1-1-9 OPS. Three triples and 66 runs scored. Hatcher actually helped Kennesaw State get to the NCAA tournament to fall to the 10th round to the Texas Rangers, who had a very good draft. As I said, Kumar Rocker, great draft pick at three. The only reason I thought it was questionable is just because he sat out a year. But at the end of the day, Kumar Rocker will probably end up becoming the top half of that Rangers rotation two to three years from now with Jack Leiter. It will be Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker since he's one of the more pro-ready players in this draft. Out of college players, I know he came from independent ball this past year, but out of college players, uh, I think Leiter and Kumar Rocker will end up becoming the best one-two punch maybe in the MLB one day. The only reason I thought it was questionable, which but now I think of it, I mean, it's not really that questionable. You think of how good of a player he is. The only reason I thought it was questionable was just because he jumped from 10th to 3rd. And I thought maybe since they drafted a first-round pick last year as a pitcher in Jack Leiter. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're going to have a great one-two punch with Leiter and Kumar Rocker one day. So I guess that's not that big of a deal at the end of the day, especially considering how good a player Kumar Rocker is. So as I said, that's why I thought it was a questionable pick, but they weren't a loser in my opinion on day one. Anyways, Josh Hatcher, I got a little bit sidetracked there, but Josh Hatcher went to the Rangers in the 10th round. Such a great player. 109 hits, 391 average, was number one in doubles and hits in college base on number two in total bases. Had 15 home runs and 66 runs scored. Very underrated draft pick, has a good glove too in the outfield. Falling to the 10th round is absolutely ridiculous in my eyes. Then Tim Elko went in the 10th round, 311th overall to the Chicago White Sox. A 6'4", 240-pound outfielder slash corner infielder from Ole Miss. Tore his ACL in 2021, but played through it. Actually hit 16 home runs in 325 with a torn ACL. So ridiculous stats there for him, especially considering he's only playing with one leg. In 2022, he hit 24 home runs, which was good enough for 11th in the country. And was the reason Ole Miss... Won the college was one of the main reasons, I should say. wasn't the only reason, but one of the main reasons they won. He was a big pot of that team. 24 home runs, 75 RBIs, a 300 batting average, a 407 on base percentage, a 1049 OPS, 642 slugging percentage, and 154 total bases in 65 games. 
Then in 2021, 16 home runs, 55 RBIs, 325 batting average, with a 444 on base percentage, a 1119 OPS, and 108 total bases. I think Elko falling to the 10th round, similar to Josh Hatcher falling to the 10th round, is ridiculous. I think they should have been drafted way earlier, especially being a late day two pick. I thought they could have been an early day two pick, but they end up becoming the most underrated steals and gems of the draft. Also, 10th round gem, another one, Levi Usher of Louisville was taken 295th overall by the Kansas City Royals. Former Juco player was drafted 37th round by the LA Angels in 2019. Hit 285 for Louisville this past year with 7 home runs, 36 stolen bases, which was 8th in the country in 64 games, 15 doubles and 3 triples. He's got a great glove in center field, regarded as one of the best fielders in the NCAA, one of the best fielders in this draft. Had actually one of the best plays of the whole entire college baseball season when he stole a home run in center field from Clemson. It was number one all sports center that day and just shows how great and reliable he is out there in center. So he ended up becoming... The 10th pick of the Royals' first 10 to be from college. So yet again, kind of like the Angels and the Yankees, they value college experience a lot more than they do high school players. And he'll end up being a steal for that Kansas City Royals team, especially in the 10th round, considering how good of a glove he has and how much he can steal bases. He'll be a valuable asset for that Kansas City Royals team one day. The next guy I want to talk about is Jackson Kelly, a right-handed pitcher from Mercer University, a six foot 185 right-handed pitcher, 22 years old out of Mercer, 12th round, 349th selection, by the Texas Rangers. So the Rangers had a great draft. You look at it, drafting Jackson Kelly. They got Brock Porter. They got Kumar Rocker. They also got Josh Hatcher, who I was just talking about, a very good player. I mean, they had a great draft, that Texas Rangers team. So Jackson Kelly had the second-best ERA in the entire country this past year. Throws a little sidearm, has great spin rate on his slider. Solid curveball as well. As I said, does throw sidearm, but he can throw from multiple arm slots, so he can use that deception for his advantage. He was 7-0 this past year for Mercer in 25 relief appearances, had 9 earned runs allowed and 60 innings pitched, added 6 saves and 82 strikeouts to 18 walks with 12.3 strikeouts per 9 innings pitched with a 4.56, that is a 4.56 strikeout to walk ratio and a .833 whip this past year for Mercer. He also pitched in the Cape Cod Baseball League this summer for Katuit, was 2-0 with a .56 ERA in 5 appearances, allowed 1 earned run at 16 innings pitched, with one save, 25 strikeouts with two walks, which is a 12.5 strikeout-to-walk ratio and 14.1 strikeouts per nine innings pitch. Very impressive steal there by the Texas Rangers in the 12th round. I really like what they did. I Actually, I consider them to be a team that had one of the best drafts as well. They drafted Brock Porter, as I said, got Josh Hatcher in the 10th round it was, then also added Jackson Kelly from Mercer. They had a great draft, that Texas Rangers team, so I'm considering them one of my draft day winners as well. Forgot about them, shouldn't have. I think it's because I was talking about Kumar Rocker too much. Forgot about it. Kumar Rocker is a great player as well. So they had a great draft, that Texas Rangers team. Next guy I want to talk about as an underrated steal is Luke Franzoni, who I already mentioned was drafted by the LA Angels in the 19th round, 568th overall. A 6'2", 220-pound outfielder from Xavier University, 22-year-old outfielder. Hit 354 this past year for Xavier with 29 home runs, which is number two in Division I baseball. 79 RBIs and an 821 slugging percentage, which was fourth in the country. A 1306 OPS, 63 strikeouts with 54 walks, and 174 total bases, which was 15th in the country. He does lack speed, but is quite the hitter and slug in the baddest box, and he's going to add a ton to the Angel Farm system offensively. And the last stale underrated gem I want to talk about is Jonathan Thomas of Texas Southern, five foot seven, twenty-two year old outfielder, maybe the biggest steal of the entire draft, considering he was a nineteenth round pick, five hundred sixty-first overall to the Washington Nationals. He led all of Division One baseball this past year with sixty-two stolen bases, led the country in, in the nation 
in stolen bases. Absolutely ridiculous. In 53 games this year, he had nine home runs, 42 RBIs, 62 stolen bases, and 70 attempts. Was only caught eight times. A 3.45 batting average, a 6.10 slugging percentage, a 105.2 OPS, 122 total bases, and was also hit actually 18 times this past year. So shows he's a tough kid. Got hit by 18 pitches. Stays in five triples, and also his elite speed, as you can see by the five triples and 62 stolen bases, led the country in stolen bases. He was actually the first HBCU baseball player drafted in this year's draft of 2022. He adds a ton of speed to that farm system for the Nationals, especially a team that's going to be rebuilding. I think he can move up quick in that Nationals farm system, considering how good of a bat he has, how good he is on the field as well, and also has elite speed and speed kills. You can't teach speed. I think he moves his way up quick through that farm system in Washington. So now I'm going to transition to where my best players available heading into day three with draft. I know I talked about them in my last episode after day two. So in day three, Max Geeg was drafted in the 18th round by the LA Angels. I already talked about him, broke him down. BC pitch had a very good year for them this year, one of the best pitchers on BC's team this past year. Then Gavin Keelan, a 5'11", 184-pound, 18-year-old shortstop from Milton High in Wisconsin, was the number 100 overall draft prospect by MLB.com, was actually taken in the 13th round by the Red Sox, the 399th overall. Crazy value there by the Red Sox getting him in the 13th round. He has a Louisville commit, which may be the reason he was not drafted as high. Probably signability issue. May not sign with the Red Sox. That's the reason why he fell. Sebastian Keene was taken by the New York Yankees with the 550th selection in the 18th round. 6'3", 187-pound right-handed pitcher, 21 years old out of Northeastern. Was drafted by the Red Sox out of North Andover High in the 11th round of 2019, coming out of high school. Was 5-5 five and five in 2022 for Northeastern with a 599 ERA. Had a 159 whip and also 3.3 walks per nine innings pitch. So the 1.59 whip and the 3.3 walks per nine innings pitch are two things he's got to get better with. But I think with his live fastball around 93 to 95, I think that will be helping him move up in that Yankees farm system. He has great off-speed stuff. Has to stay up in the count to be more comfortable, but very good raw prospect considering how fast he can throw. And he has had really good flashes too at Northeast. And obviously not the best season being 5-5 five and five with almost a 6 ERA. But I think he can be a very good prospect for that Yankees team. He also joins Cam Schlittler who was also drafted by the Yankees. And then Northeast also had another kid drafted. Thomas Balboni was Northeastern's third player drafted. He was actually the second player drafted of the three. Balboni, 6'4", 185-pound right-handed pitcher, 21 years old out of Northeastern. Was taken in the 15th round by the San Diego Padres, 450th overall. 0-3 this past year in 21 appearances with a 4-2-9 ERA, 7 saves. He was Northeastern's closer with 25 strikeouts to 13 walks and 10.7 strikeouts per 9 innings pitched. So he joins Cam Schlittler and Sebastian Keene as three of Northeastern's pitches drafted in this year's MLB draft. The next guy I want to talk about is Cam Smith. There was another one of our prospects heading into day three that was one of the best available. 6-3, 215-pound, 19-year-old third baseman from Palm Beach Central, Florida. He was the number 84 draft prospect, but was not drafted in this year's draft. Must have been a high commit to Florida State. I'd imagine that's a reason, considering how great his offensive numbers were. There's no reason he wouldn't have been drafted if he was a full commit to playing professional baseball rather than college baseball. In 19 games as a senior in high school in 2022, he had 524 with 28 RBIs, 11 doubles, 2 triples, 5 home runs, and a 627 on base percentage. Crazy he wasn't drafted, but it must have been. He's is a hard commit to Florida State, so signability was the issue there. Another guy with signability issues... Was Malcolm Moore, a 6'2", 210-pound, 18-year-old catcher from McClatchy High School in Florida. Hits very well for power and average. Actually had a 55 hit tool and a 55 power tool. 
He is committed to Stanford. Must have been a hard commitment. That's the reason he went undrafted. But his career in high school, he caught seven guys trying to steal out of nine. Hit 476 at the plate with 27 home runs, 147 RBIs, 136 runs scored, with 39 doubles, 17 triples, a 584 on base percentage, and a 1620 OPS. Very good player, but clearly was signability, was the issue with him, was the reason he was not drafted. Hard commit to Stanford, that's probably the reason. Tristan Smith, a 6'2", 200-pound, 19-year-old left-handed pitcher from Boiling Springs High School. Has a great slider and great change of fastball and get up to 96 with great movement on his off-speed pitches as well. Was a South Carolina Gatorade Player of the Year, but went undrafted. Must have been because he's a hard commit to Clemson, but a few years from now, he'll be back in the MLB draft as a top pick, I'm sure. Top two to three round pick. And the last guy I want to talk about is Sam Horn, a six foot four, 200-pound, 18-year-old right-handed pitch from Collins Hills High in Georgia, committed to Missouri to play baseball and football. He's actually a four-stop football recruit as quarterback, the number 76 overall MLB draft prospect in this year's draft. He did go undrafted, but it's because he's a hard commit to Missouri. Missouri, he did commit to to play for football, for quarterback, and will also play baseball there as well. Very good quarterback, and I'm sure that has to do with the reason he was not drafted. Signability, again, was the reason he was not drafted, like Tristan Smith, Malcolm Warren, Kim Smith, all those guys were good enough to be drafted, but Hod commits to Florida State, to Stanford, to Clemson and Missouri. That's the reason these guys passed up in the MLB draft and chose to go to college instead. So overall, BC had four players drafted in this year's draft. Luke Golds went in the fifth round to the Detroit Tigers, who I already talked about. Max Geek in the 18th round to the LA Angels. Joe Mancini to the Houston Astros at 463rd overall. And then Mason Pellio was a 12th round selection, 363rd overall to the Cincinnati Reds. Northeastern had three pitches selected overall. Thomas Balboni to the San Diego Padres and Sebastian Keene and Cam Schlittler both going to the New York Yankees in the draft. So both programs had great drafts overall. Four BC players drafted, three Northeastern players drafted. I think it's a great sales pitch to recruits saying, hey, you can come play here and still be drafted, even though BC did not have as great of a season this year as they wanted, had a very Big down year this year. Struggled heavily in the ACC. Still had four guys drafted. Then you look at Northeastern. Didn't have as good of a year as they typically do, but still had a solid season. Having three guys drafted. Both programs could definitely build off of that and start recruiting by saying, hey, you can come play at Northeastern, play at BC, and still be drafted like our guys were in this year's draft. So very good draft for both of those programs. Now overall, I'm going to break down some numbers from the College Baseball Hub, which broke down some numbers about the MLB draft overall. So the schools are the most draft picks. Oklahoma was number one with 11. Tennessee was number two with 10. Tied for third was Alabama and Oklahoma State with nine selections. Then you got Auburn, Georgia Tech, Oregon State, and Texas all tied with eight selections there, tied for fourth. And then you look at it, the Ole Miss team, which had a very good year, actually won the College World Series, had seven selections. Mississippi State had seven selections. Arizona State, Georgia, Kentucky, Miami, Stanford, UCAL, UCAL, Santa Barbara, and then Vanderbilt had six selections apiece. And then Duke, Louisville, Missouri, North Carolina, TCU, Texas Tech, and Virginia Tech were among the ones in Southern Miss who were among the teams that were tied with five MLB draft picks in the SES draft. Northeastern having three, BC having four, right below that. So not too far off. Players drafted by level in this year's draft, 70.6% of draft selections. As I said, this all comes from the College Baseball Hub. They crunched all these numbers. 70.6% of college players drafted in this year's draft were from Division I baseball. And then 19% of players drafted in this year's draft were from high school. 6.8% from junior colleges. 2.8% from D2 schools. 0.3% from Division III schools. And 0.3% from NAIA schools. 80.8% of players drafted in this year's draft 
were college draft picks, players from college, so 80.8% from college, so you clearly have an advantage going from college to the draft rather than high school to the draft. Overall, 435 players were drafted from Division I baseball compared to 17 from Division II baseball, two from Division III baseball, two from NAIA schools, 42 from junior colleges, and 117 from high school. Uh, the earliest a Division II players drafted was in the fifth round, so as you can see, the top five rounds are typically dominated by Division I schools, and then high schoolers have a good amount of kids drafted in the top five rounds as well. And then after that, there's a couple more kids drafted from other schools, other other programs, other leagues like Division II, Division III, and NAIA. But as you can see, Division I baseball dominates the whole entire MLB draft with 70.6% of selections coming from Division I schools with 80.8% coming from colleges in general. And now I'm going to break down the top five conferences by picks, which comes from the College Baseball Hub once again. The SEC had the most selections with 83, the ACC at 58, Big 12 at 47, the Pac-12 had 40, and the Big 10 had 27 selections. So there are the numbers broken down there. And then the teams with the most high school commits selected, Vanderbilt had seven, LSU had six, University of South Florida had four in Alabama, Florida International University, Louisville, Ole Miss, Oregon, Texas, and Texas Tech all had three apiece. So that concludes this episode. So in this episode, I broke down my surprises of day one, my steals and winners of day one of the MLB draft, my losers of day one of the MLB draft, and also I broke down the overall winners of the draft, which teams I think had the best draft overall. I also talked about when my best players heading into day three ended up, also broke down where Northeastern and BC players were selecting this year's draft, and then also broke down all of the numbers from the College Baseball Hub about where players were drafted from what division and what conference, whether it's the SEC, ACC, what schools had the most guys drafted. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.